Jazzy, what does the calculator say about the shipping costs? It's over $9! What? $9? There's no way that could be right. At LegitMTG.com, we don't charge shipping for any order over $2 or more. We're not like those other guys who make you spend an arm and a leg to get free shipping. Come on down to LegitMTG.com for all your magic needs and be sure to get that free shipping special. That's LegitMTG.com. Visit today. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and today we're going to be talking about, oh, well, wouldn't you know, some Magic the Gathering, as well as a tiny bit of Dungeons and Dragons. That's going to be towards the end of the show here, but there's, we're doing it a little bit differently tonight. We're doing it live, um, and this isn't the first time I've done an, a live episode. Uh, the I think the first time I did a live episode was episode 17 let's dive into the archives of magic with Zuby here and just check i think episode 17 i actually did live and that went pretty terribly and i mean not surprising of course well, what the hell is episode 17 even called um do 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 Episode 17, I Don't Want No Scrub, where I talked about the Platinum Pro changes, and I'm pretty sure I did that one live. I'd have to look through my little archives that I have going on here, but hey, everybody, how's it going? Um, so, like I said, this is a new change for me doing it live. I'm not sure if I'm going to continue doing this, but we're going to try anyway. So, usually, if you're brand new to the show, I like to start off, at least with talking about some Magic the Gathering that I've been playing. And I like to first really get into, I went to an FNM uh, last week, the Rivals of Ixalan, I guess, grand opening FNM. And I really thought we were going to be playing some draft. Instead, we went and just played some standard because everybody wanted to play standard because everybody had Rivals of Ixalan cards already, you know, who the hell fucking knows? Everybody had Mer. There was three people playing Merfolk that night, and there was twelve of us, I think. And it was it, it was just a little a little crazy. I don't know what's going on with my sound here. Okay, um, is it still recording? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so like I was saying, there was um a lot of people playing Merfolk for you know i mean i shouldn't really be surprised but so i didn't even have a standard deck with me i took apart my standard decks and and waiting for rivals of ixalan and so i was really hoping we were going to draft because you know that's the sensible thing to do rivals of ixalan opening but you know hey hey to each their own so instead i'm gonna switch the scene here um even though for people listening at home you're not gonna see my screen here but for everybody who's watching live or even watching the recorded video, you're going to see the deck that I played. It was a buddy's deck that I just borrowed. It was Boros Aggro. And while it wasn't complete, because there are going to be some card choices that are going to make you go, huh, what? Doesn't make any sense. Um, it was a hell of a fun deck. And let me just put it up on the, sh the, the screen here. And yeah, so everybody should be able to see it here who's watching the video. And for, like I said, for everybody at home, I'm gonna, what the hell is going on with my headphones? Okay, that is bizarre. I'm getting all this feedback all of a sudden. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
This is terrible. Okay, this is okay. That's really annoying. I really hope that's not coming through on the feed here. But um, so like I was saying, it's uh, if it, you can see on the screen here, um, it it was that's one thing with my LGS. It's pretty glaring, and you can see my mat right there in the background. It's a uh, if you could just sort of take away the cards. It's my Legend of Zelda mat that I bring with me everywhere, and because I love Legend of Zelda. If you can't tell. So just looking over it, just describing it really quick. Um, as far before we get into the creatures, the non creature spells, it has four lightning strikes and four shocks. Uh, lightning strike being the one in the red lightning strike deals three damage to target creature or player and shock being the one red shock deals two damage to target opponent or player. And, um, then it's got two Chandra Torch of Defiance, which if I can bring up Chandra, because I don't remember exactly what Chandra does off the top of my head. Um, yes, this is Cockatrice right here. Oh, that's the... Here we go. I'm going to make that bigger. Can I? Yeah, here we go. Make it bigger. Make it wide. Make it thick. Like that thick. So Chandra Torch of Defiance is... Two colorless, two red, plus one, exile the top card of your library. You may cast that card if you don't. Chandra deals two damage to each opponent. Plus one, add two red mana to your mana pool. Uh, negative three, deal, Chandra deals four damage to target creature. Or negative seven, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell, this emblem deals five damage to target creature or player. So I had two of those. Um, Chandra was definitely good in the deck against the mid-range decks. Um, I find I found out it didn't help me because I went up against a lot of merfolk. I found it didn't help me too much with merfolk um, exactly. Uh, and then the other uh, new card that was in here was actually a rivals card, Path to Metal, which or Path of Metal. When I first saw that, I wasn't too crazy about it. But if we look at Path of Metal, it is a legendary enchantment, red and white. When Path of Metal enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to each creature that doesn't have first strike, double strike, vigilance, or haste. And whenever you attack with at least two creatures that have first strike, double strike, vigilance, or haste, transform Path of Metal. No, oh, excuse me. So when it transforms, it transforms. Um, that's one thing that it sucks about. Uh, cockatrice it doesn't show what the transform side is and if you can see this um, it transforms into Metzali Tower of Triumph where you can add one mana of any color to your mana pool it turns into a legendary land and then you can make one and a red and tap and it deals two damage to each opponent or and you can pay two and a white and choose a creature at random that attack this turn destroy that creature so it it was surprisingly better than I thought. It helped me out bet more than I thought it would. And um, especially since every single creature you play is going to have one of those uh, components of haste, vigilance, you know, double strike, first strike. And um, it, th that card was so helpful against the Merfolk decks, which, you know, you take out their lords, you take out the cards that are you're going to pump up the merfolk and then you're just left with a bunch of one toughness creatures on their side and path of metal just board wipes them. So, uh, so let's go over the creatures that it was run, ran in the deck. There was a new card, relentless Raptor, which is a uh, red and a white has vigilance attacks each turn. If able, 
um, and it's a 3-3. We've got Fanatical Firebrand, which uh, at first glance of this card, I'm thinking, ah, this card isn't going to be too good. But holy crap, did it win me like three or four games. Uh, Fanatical Firebrand being a a single red haste goblin pirate. I, I, it doesn't look like a goblin to me, at least. Looks like a little monkey. Um, here, here's a better picture of it. Fanatical Firebrand. Yeah, that looks like a monkey. That's not a goblin. That's a monkey to me. Um, and so when you tap it and sack, you sack Fanatical Firebrand. It deals one damage to target creature or player. Let's just say that one damage, especially for an aggro deck, that can make or break the game. Um, it has two Hazard the Fervent, which everyone knows what Hazard does by now. But it does have a combat celebrant or Celebrant, I guess. And the only reason it has that in there is because my buddy didn't have an extra Hazard, so it was basically a placeholder, which I always took Combat Celebrant out in the sideboard, yet this is only the main board that's showing up. So, it, um, it's, it's, oh, I got someone in the chat, what up, Zuby? yo, what's up, Dirtlewitz? Um, and, um, so yeah, I always took that out, it wasn't very useful. Um, four Bomat Couriers, which surprisingly, holy shit, that card. I mean, everybody knows that card just does nothing but value. Uh, Earthshaker Kenra, which, you know, typical aggro creature. Then Oncrop Cra Crasher, which is really good. Carry Zev, of course. You need that in an aggro deck. And one of the new Rivals cards, Dire Fleet Daredevil, is... Um, hold on, let me pull it up because I can't read that little writing from my picture I took dire fleet daredevil all right it's one in a red first strike human pirate uh when it enters the battlefield exile target insert or sorcery card from an opponent's graveyard you may cast that card this turn and you may spend mana zote or mana of any type to cast that spell if that card will be put into a graveyard this turn exile and instead so the there was only one in the main deck and i don't know why there was only one and the main deck, uh, he just put it in there, I guess. But he did have about two or three others in the sideboard, which I did put in whenever I was up against any mid-range or control decks to try to either, you know, use a fatal push against him or a Vraska's contempt against him in order to, you know, try to clear the board on his side or whoever's side it was. Um, and sa same with I went up against Team or Energy at one point in the night, and it it was um. And that helped out very well, you know, taking their harness lightning or lightning strike as well. So um, overall, it was a really fun deck. Um, I should have taken a picture of the sideboard, but the sideboard was a work in progress. Um, I, I think this is a good like maybe week one or week two rivals deck because a lot of people so many people are playing merfolk right now. And this deck just destroys merfolk. Um, I played probably i think eight games against merfolk and it just merfolk couldn't stand a chance of this because one when you're playing this deck against merfolk you need to destroy their creatures first uh fanatical fireburn will help you the the four or the eight instances will help path the metal will help um just anything to stop their board from building up because as you know with going wide with merfolk is bad bad news bad juju right there so, um, oh, it's my background. Uh, what else? Um, let me switch the scene here. Okay. And so that was basically the deck that I played in FNM. I went three, one, um, and got 
third place. Um, and then I did play a bunch of other games after that too with it because it was just a really fun deck. But what I have been wanting to build in standard recently, I was thinking about building or rebuilding my Jeskai Thopters deck again, which I'm not sure if I've talked about on the podcast or not, but I have two decks in mind that I have been, you know, messing around here and I'll talk about the first one here. Let me switch the scene back over. And like I said, I'm really sorry for people who are listening to this. You're not able to see this, but you know, I'll describe it as best I can. So, um, I don't have sideboards for either of these decks yet. So just bear with me. I mean, I don't even know what I want to put in the sideboards yet, but these are two decks that I'm building in standard right now. Um, I've already got all the cards for one of them. The other one, I'm just waiting on like two or three from a buddy. And the first one is Jund Energy Revamped. Um, I mean, this is very similar to the Jund Monsters I was playing back in Amonkhet, and I think for a little bit of Hour of Devastation as well last year. So... Just going over the deck real quick. Uh, let me go over the lands. It's three Aether Hub, one Arc of or- Orzica, Orazka. I'm probably completely butchering that. And um, the, the the only reason I want this card in this deck is for the draw ability, where it has Ascend if you get the City's Blessing, and you can pay five and tap and draw a card, which is super, super helpful late game. Um, four Blooming Marsh, two Dragon Skull Summit, three Evolving Wilds, three Forest, one Mountain, four Rootbound Crag, one Sheltered Thicket, two Swamp. And that's probably the best kind of land uh, divvying I can do for this. Uh, the instants before I get into the creatures are two Abraid, three Fatal Push, and three Harness Lightning, which, you know, they're pretty typical, you know, red and black cards for it but the creatures so this is a creature heavy deck coming in at 28 creatures we've got four bristling hydra because why not uh that hex proof is so valuable it's such a good card that you know keeps keeps it alive uh four glint sleeve siphoner for that card draw that turns out to be so useful three glory bringer which why not because i fucking love that card there's there's always a dragon like each kind of standard rotation that i usually fall in love with uh thunderbreak region glory bringer um i'm sure there's another one those are the two that pop up in my mind instantly right now shivan dragon for old school players you know how i love that card as a kid um gaunty lord of luxury and, you know, as as I see that card play more, played more, um, I've come to personally love that card more and more each time I get it played against me because it's such a good card to be able to dig through your opponent's library for the top four cards, maybe take one of their really good spells or creatures and then just be like, nope, you're not getting these th- three really good cards down there and then four long tusk cubs for beatdowns, one Ronus, the indomitable for you know, just extra beat down. Uh, three Rishgar Pima Renegade for helping out with either creating mana dorks or counters. Three Ver... Ver- God, I always screw this up. Verdurius, Verdius, Verdius Gearhulk uh, for getting more counters. And of course, what's a Jun deck that has a counter theme slash energy theme good without Winding Constrictor? Uh, wanting constrictor allowing you to get extra counters on stuff because why not you know that i mean 
the deck can live without winding constrictor of course yes but if you can get extra energy and extra counters why not go for it uh, i know in one of my variations of uh jund i did have walking ballista in it but i i mean if gaunti doesn't turn out to be good for me and the Ronus turns out to be pretty useless. I can just switch those out for three Walking Ballista because why not? Walking Ballista is such a good card anyway, regardless. And um, so that is the Jund Energy deck I have been building, and it's and it, it's a variation of Jund that I played before, and I'm excited to play it and see how it does. Um, my shop right now is very aggro and control heavy. There's not a whole lot of mid range going on, so since it is pretty you know, aggro and control heavy. Um, I think what I'm first going to be taking is this Grixis mid range that I've seen floating around. Um, I it's, I've pretty much taken the same list that lists that I've seen online. The only differences that I've really done is I've gone from two scarab gods down to one scarab God because I only have one and I really don't feel like shelling out the money for another scarab God because, hey, you know, with standard bannings going on, hey, <laughs> what if they just ban scarab God? Because, you know, why not? Um, so just going over the Grixis mid-range deck, I've got 25 lands. Oh, and I did add an Arch of Orozka as well, too, or Orzika, or or Orozka. I think it's Orozka. It's probably how you say it. I really don't know. I'm really not sure. And um, But 25 lands, uh, 4 Aether Hub, the Arch, Canyon Slough, Dragon Skull Summit, Drowned Catacombs, Fetid Pools, Island Mountain, Spire Bluff, and Swamp. Um, and, and, you know, for... People that are listening to the show, I'll be sure to put these decks in the show notes so you all can have links to them because they're all on my tapped out account anyway. So um, so this being less creature heavy and more on the the mid-range slash control, uh, we've got two Abraid, two Disallow for counters, two Essence Scouter for creature counters, uh, three Fatal Push, two Glimmer of Genius, three harness lightning two supreme will for counters slash you know kind of doing a mega anticipate and two vraska's contempt oh that was another reason why uh, that's another change i did i went from three vraska's contempt to two and added in another disallow only because i don't feel like shelling out the money for an extra vraska's contempt it's and i'll tell you why it's because with the way the standard bannings are going and since i've been burned two times already um, just the past year because I was affected by the first round of bannings and then I was affected by this round of bannings right here. I'm just, I just, whatever cards I have, I'm just going to build a deck out of. That's pretty much how I'm feeling right now. I mean, I've got a good, you know, set of standard cards, but I'm just not going to be diving deep into my pockets in order to build that tier one standard deck just whatever i have laying around i'm just gonna build it you know if i have to buy you know five dollars worth of cards and there happen to be some lands or uncommons or whatever or cheap rares so be it but i'm not going to be spending 10 bucks or more or especially scarab god or another scarab god which is like 40 bucks right now screw that you know i'm done with that life so uh, i'm not about that life right now so the creatures are for glint sleeve siphoner uh Two Gonti, Lord of Luxury. There's Gonti again because, hey, you're my bro, bro. Uh, one Hostage Taker. 
uh, one ravenous chupacabra, which is the new two and two black when ravenous chupacabra enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls. A uh, one scarab god, which we all know and love and fucking hate, and three torrential gearhawk, my boy. One vizier of many faces, my my clone. Um, and four whirler virtuoso, just because I like thopters. And I, I the list I took was playing thopters, and I like thopters, or was playing whirler virtuoso. So I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna keep them because I like thopters, and that's just how life goes. And um, so those are the two decks that I'm working on building right now, and they. I, I'm more excited about Grixis because I love the Grixis colors. I mean, Grixis Delver and Modern's my favorite deck, and it's uh, I'm just excited to take this as standard. And you know, I can definitely let you guys know how it's going to go next week. But next week's episode is probably going to be a little bit different, even though I'm going to try to still do it live. Um, it's just going to be a little different. So before we get into some of the main topics here. Um, I did get a lot of good feedback on last week's episode and um, a lot of people commenting on what I was saying where, you know, I I did take a little bit of a break for podcasting and, you know, I I did mention some stuff of, you know, especially when you're doing content creation, it feels like you're talking into the void, right? And it feels like no one's really listening and you, you don't really get the response you want or anything like that. And and it wasn't so much as I was saying that because I was wanting, you know, people to reach out to me and comment on it. It was, I mean, hell, I appreciate every single one that did reach out and comment to it and, you know, send me a little message and all that. I appreciate the hell out of it. It was just more of it. You, you try not to let that feeling of, you know, Oh God, what's the feeling? What's the word I'm even looking for? Because a lot of times when you're doing content creation, especially when you know you're not very popular as well, or you don't get a lot of people listening in or, or even watching you and you just sort of feel like, what's the fucking point of doing it? Right. And, and one of my listeners, longtime listeners, you know, just Golbez even said, you know, I'll even read his comment verbatim here. You commented on the lack of feedback and talking into the void, yet I thought your download numbers were good. It seems most magic podcasts, with the exception of Giants, um, suffer from a severe lack of feedback. Even some of the other long-lived podcasts with good audiences don't necessarily get a lot of good conversation. Podcasts are generally a one-way street, and it's hard to talk back unless you have a specific point. I listen to many podcasts, but rarely comment. And I think I have mentioned that before either on magic Zuby or one of my other shows or maybe i was just talking to myself um and it's something that's very true especially a podcast it's my my numbers according to my according to what i see on um shout engine the the podcast provider i use to you know upload all my episodes here i'm just going to show you is um so, so even though it says only like five downloads today, um, you know, for people who are watching can see this on the screen, you know, it says five downloads today, they reset their numbers, um, like at eight o'clock at night, I think, or nine o'clock Eastern my time. And, um, so when I look at, you know, I've had almost 3000 downloads this month and this, this has been a slow month due to, um, 
you know, I didn't release any episodes in the first two to three weeks of the month. So, I mean, this is a, usually I'll average anywhere from five to 7,000 downloads. And, um, you know, while the numbers do seem good, you know, when I look at last week's episode, I always look at the red portion here, verified download, because there's download requests. When I look at verified downloads, I've had 1,100 downloads from last week's episode. But, you know, I it's really hard to consider that a, an exact measurement due to because, you know, how many times did one person actually download that episode? Could And how does it even calculate, you know, a single download? You know, there's that I don't want to get into the, you know, the deep, crazy stuff with the analytics and all that. But I guess going back to my point is, you know, there I with podcasts. Yeah, you're right. Even though I listen to a lot of podcasts, I rarely comment on them. Um, I don't really give a lot of feedback except to some of my very, very favorite ones. And it, it does suck. You, it, you, like I was saying before, you try not to let it get to you, but eventually it will, or eventually it does for me at least. And it's, you try to stave off from that and try not to let it get to you. And it, you know, most times it's, I'll put on an episode, get it done, recorded, get it out there. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. I'm done. And I see the download numbers and usually that's enough to just satisfy me is when I see, oh shit, a lot of people downloaded it. That's awesome. And hell, there were even um, some days when I wasn't even producing any episodes this month where I got like three to 400 downloads in a day. And I'm like, who the fuck is listening to this? I haven't put out an episode in three weeks. It was, it was kind of cool in a sense, you know, it was weird, but cool. And, um, but no. It's um like I said I I appreciate everybody who who reached out to me and all that it it was much much appreciated and much love to you all and all that other good stuff I guess you know I'm I don't know really what else to say but anyways moving on um I thought I had the link to that oh hello kitty oh hi Mark oh hello kitty um okay so. I talked about the background checks from last week that Wizards implemented. And before I get into that, I need a little swig of water here. Good old water. Um, and they, so I found this thread on Reddit last week. And apparently there was an official post to the WPN Wizards Play Network Facebook page. And, um, it was, I guess, an FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions document that Wizards came out with for, I, I guess, to quell some questions about all these new background checks for the stores. Um, so just to go over it, the first question, do DMs, game mentors, and teachers, such as for open house, count as staff? And... The answer, only if the individual is retained by your organization to provide services for your retail location or event. Regardless, your organization is still obligated to ensure you're providing a safe and inclusive environment for players of all ages. If a judge is unable to attend a judge-required event last minute, would a replacement judge need to have his background checked that day? Yes, or the event needs to be canceled. How should retailers document these background checks? 
Uh, keep a physical record of the outcome of the check. What qualifies as a sufficient background check? Compliance with the WPN terms is left to discretion of a WPN member of the WPN WPN member. Too many acronyms here. If you have questions regarding compliance, you should discuss the matter with your legal counsel, which is, oh God. So our regions with, uh, hold on. Are regions where this background check is illegal exempt from the background check? Yes, but we expect you to do what you can to ensure your staff is in compliance with these requirements. What about event organizers for non-WPN games? Staff and those otherwise engaged by the organization that interact with the public for your retail location are included under the updated WPN terms. Wait, staff and those otherwise engaged by that in- interact with the public for your retail are included? Okay. Um... Does this apply to employees who interact with the public online, customer service, social media managers who do not who do not interact with the public in person? The representations, warranties and covenants apply to all staff and those engaged by your organization that provide services to your retail location and events. This includes individuals that directly interact with the public on behalf of your retail location and for your events. Who is considered staff as an, at an event? Does this apply to vendors, contractors, artists, etc.? The obligations contained within the WPM terms apply all staff and other individuals engaged by your organization to provide services for your retail location and for your events. This requirement would extend to vendors or contractor facilitating the operations of your retail location and events. Artists and speakers would be at your discretion, but your organization is still obligated to ensure you're providing a safe and inclusive environment for players of all ages. Does this apply to restaurant staff? This obligation does not apply to businesses separate from retail locations and events. Oh, geez. Just a lot of a lot of pub PR speak here. Oh, what is the deadline to have background checks for my current employees? You must be compliant with these requirements at the time that you agree to new terms and conditions. We'll be releasing a means to agree to them using your wizard's account soon, and the deadline to agree will be February 9th, 2018. So a, a lot of this is I guess necessary PR slash lawyer talk that they had to come up with and hearing a lot of the complaints about the whole background checks is I'm really starting to come to terms with that. I agree that wizards needs to be the one that handles all the background checks period. I agree that there should be background checks for judges and TOs and any TO staff for big tournaments. I do not really agree with background checks for or having wizards force or I don't know if it's necessarily forcing I just don't really agree with wizards having to basically have I guess retail stores sign something to that you have to make sure there are background checks done on your employees Um, I feel that is a little bit authoritarian And we need to, and that's really up to the local game store itself. If the local game store wants to run background checks on its own staff, fine by me. But, um, and this is where this whole thing starts to get murky since judges are a fan run community, but Grand Prix's and Opens and PPTQ's and all that require judges 
to to be there for events in order to you know make sure it goes by whatever WPN guidelines. Um, it it really should be handled by wizards themselves. Wizards should be doing all the background checks for the judges. Period. And you know if people are worried about you know keeping it in a safe place, you know leave it up to a corporation if they fuck up you know boom you can sell you can you know sue them but you know they'd probably have some clause where you know hey if we fuck up your background check and lose your information you know we can't be held liable of course because that's that's how corporations do things but um i don't know it's this whole background check thing is wizards just really trying to save face which you know, like I said, as I said last week, I agree wholeheartedly that there should be background checks, but the way they're going about it is absolutely terrible as usual. I mean, it's, I, I don't understand how, why they can't do it themselves, but you know, I'm not a corporation. I don't understand these things. So I guess I'll never know, but it was just interesting reading this FAQ and just going on where the the whole the whole thing is on the game stores that they need to basically do everything they're going to be the ones trusted to have this information and you know there are going to be fuck-ups with it there are going to be you know people it falling into malicious hands but i mean i don't know it's just i i'm not really agreeing with this and the whole thing is just kind of shitty really that wizards should be if wizards is demanding that that judges and retail owners need background checks they need to be the ones to do it because what if you know just speaking in hypothetical here what if all the store owners just decide to say fuck you you know we're not doing this and then you know Actually, that would really suck. Think about that. Anyway, if all the store owners just said, you know, fuck you, wizards, we're not doing it. And there'd be, they'd obviously be violating terms of service and terms and conditions, I mean. And, you know, wizards could just be like, well, you're not an official WPN store now. But if enough of them did that, you know, of course, there'd be backlash and wizard be like, oh, no, just kidding, guys. Just kidding. We're sorry. We're sorry. You know, we're, you know, we'll, we'll do the background checks. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, like I said, I, I just think Wizards needs to own up to it and just do it themselves. It's I'm, I'm not I'm not a fan of it, not a fan of how they're going about this at all. So um, another thing I want to talk about is there was a, an article recently released uh, probably a few days ago now about how buying cards work in Magic the Gathering Arena. And I may or may not be in the Magic the Gathering Arena closed beta. I can or cannot talk about that. I cannot confirm or deny that I am in the closed beta. But you may or may not expect some videos to drop on my YouTube and Twitch when the NDA may or may not be lifted. Actually, no, when the NDA is lifted, I, I have some videos planned. Trust me. <laughs> it's, I'm not going to, I don't really want to fuck it up. It's, uh, God, I, I don't know what I can, I don't know what I can really say about Arena, except that it's, 
I'm I, I just actually I will say this about Arena and it's not really breaking the NDA is I can't wait to test out limited. I'm more excited about testing out limited than I am with constructed. So let's get into the actual how grinding is going to work so far in Magic Arena. And they have released the patch for this and I have messed around with it a little bit. So there's going to be two types of in-game currency, which seems pretty normal for, I guess, most games nowadays. Um, there's the coins, the the game's basic currency, which players earn by completing quests, winning matches, and participating in special events. And then they have gems, which is purchased with real cash money. You know, I don't have too much of a problem with that. It's it's pretty standard now. You know, pretty standard in games nowadays. So, and then uh, in this Kotaku article, they talk about you know the best ways to collect cards. And they list all the ways you can collect cards. And I, I love the I love the opening part here to this article saying the key to building a successful Magic the Gathering deck is, of course, buying as many card packs as possible and hoping for the best. Obviously, the creators and designers of this game have never really played Magic the Gathering. Maybe when you don't know any better. And, you know, you don't really care about your money. You know, yes, by building a good Magic the Gathering deck does require you opening a bunch of card packs, a bunch of booster packs, if you don't know what you're doing. But I digress. So the ways you will collect cards in Magic the Gathering Arena that so far, I mean, this is subject to change. This is still a closed beta is and I really don't like this, what they've done here, especially with the booster packs. So there's two different kinds of booster packs. One that will have eight cards containing five commons, two uncommons, one rare or mythic. The cost of purchasing boosters with gems purchased with real world money is still being determined. So we actually don't know what any of the what any of the prices are for for the gems part we know for the gold so for a booster pack for gold is 1000 coins which it sounds like a lot but it's not really think of it it's basically like 100 coins in hearst excuse me in hearthstone um and then there's draft packs which are going to be used for the limited play they'll contain 14 cards you know minus the basic land because you, you never draft that anyway um and drafting will also add cards to your collection automatically. So any card that you draft will be added to your collection, which is nice. Um, and I really hope it stays like that. While I don't think phantom drafts are bad on Magic Online and they are cheaper, it's just if I'm going to draft, especially in this environment of Arena, I'd, I want to keep the cards. Um, individual cards will also be earnable earnable through play devs developers are testing a system where for every match win players will receive one card in mtg arena up to 30 per day and yes that is true for right now in the beta you when you do win a game you get a random card um and this is the part that i'm still having a hard time understanding this wild card thing is um wild cards are special cards that have a chance to appear 
and the place of each card at any rarity in every booster players open. Wild cards have their own rarity of common, uncommon, rare, and mythic rare. Players will be able to swap wild cards for a card of their choosing of the same rarity. So, and either this isn't working in the arena beta right now, or I just don't know what I'm doing. Because I do have a bunch of wild cards in the beta, but I, I don't even know what to do with them. I, I, I see them. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I click on them, nothing happens. But I'm probably doing it wrong. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all that I'm doing it wrong because I do a lot of things wrong. And then there is the vault, which I have not opened the vault yet. So th this is the weird part. The vault is a special mechanic that rewards players for opening boosters, as well as an interesting way to deal with duplicate cards. Every time the player opens a booster pack or collects what would be the fifth copy of a card in their collection, it feeds a vault meter. Once full, players will be able to open the vault for a reward, currently wild cards. It's a simple way of avoiding the dusting and crafting systems seen in similar digital card games. So, I don't like... So, the vault itself is not a bad idea... I just don't like that they have no way of giving you, you know, a way to craft an individual card that you need. You'll either have to keep buying booster packs in order to hope to get a wild card or open up the vault. But if I want to be able to get rid of some cards like, hey, standard rotated in arena right now, and I want to be able to get rid of some cards, why can't I just destroy them in the game and be able to craft the new legendary rare that came out you know and currently right now in arena there's no way to do that and i'm really hoping they change their mind on that because right now the game feels like and i understand this is still closed beta testing it really feels like it's a sealed con you're playing sealed constructed basically right now when you start you know you start your account you get a bunch of cards from Ixalan and Rivals and you're basically playing Sealed Constructed. You know, I, I, I don't know how else to put it except that. And it's um it's not very fun. That's why I cannot wait for them to start limited because I know I'm gonna be trying out that drafting like crazy. So I hope they start it soon. So I'm not too happy with the arena with it or or with um the economy they have. I'm just moving Okay, so I lost my recording for a little bit there. So um, so some of the questions that I've seen being asked or said in um, regards to this economy is what about entrenched players versus new players? And it's it brings up a very valid point because Hearthstone is very similar to that. If a brand new player were to start playing Hearthstone now and try to play ranked ladder or anything, they're going to be way behind. They're, they're not going to get very far with just the basic cards. I mean, not that they can't do well or anything. They can do decently well. It's just you're not going to get far at all. And, you know, how much time and money are you going to have to spend if you're a new player to even try to get where you are? And since you can't craft individual cards that you may need or want, you know, it's sort of like, What's the freaking point? You're going to have to grind playing crappy sealed constructed decks in order to get what you want. It's it's just doesn't make for very fun, if I have to say. 
And um, I don't know. It's I'm really hoping they kind of change their mind on this economy part, or at least add the ability to create individual cards as you want and just not having to grind insanely for the decks that you may want to build. Like say, Hey, the pro tour just came out and Oh man, you know, Grixis pirates is the awesome new deck. And I want to go build that in arena. How long is that going to take me to build? I can't just buy the cards that I want, or I can't just build the cards that I want. I'm going to have to grind for it. And how long is it going to take for me to grind? I mean, it's, you know, those are some really valid questions there. And I really hope I see some of the numbers soon because I know as hell that I, I don't have time to grind like that. You know, I want to just build a deck, have some fun. And that's, that's what I do in magic online right now is I'll build an EDH deck or I'll build a, um, um, a, you know, popper deck or something or some cheap ass modern deck and just play for fun. I don't really play leagues at all because I don't, I just don't have the money to invest for a really good deck like that. You know, um, I, I save all that money for paper. Um, so what are some things that I hope to see in arena right now is, um, I'd really like to see some pre-constructed deck play such as, you know, your dual decks. Um, and it doesn't have to be exactly dual decks, so to say. So Pokemon online has a, Oh God, I forget what they call it. Is it pre-constructed decks where, so, you know, those, um, so you know how magic the gathering has intro decks, like the planeswalker decks. Now, uh, Pokemon has the same thing. I, I, I don't remember what they're called exactly, but they're basically like intro decks and you can take those intro decks. It comes with a code on Pokemon for the Pokemon card game and you can put it on to the Pokemon online client and be able to play against other people with that pre-constructed deck. And that would be really cool if arena had something similar to where you buy a you know, a planeswalker deck and you put in a code and you unlock that deck on arena and you can play against other people who have that deck. That'd be really fun. What if you do that and it allows you to unlock cards and get more gold to help you get to the cards you want to get to. I'm totally down for that. Um, another thing is booster pack codes for drafting. I know I've talked about that before and you know, that would be super awesome if, say for every 10 booster packs you buy on paper you have a chance of getting a code to unlock a booster pack on magic arena and to allow you to you know put in your collection and draft if you want i'm down for that i'm good i'm cool with that you know what i mean um and i'm hoping that when they do have draft and they release some of the pricing for it i hope there's really some fair pricing for drafting because i I really don't like paying $15 to draft or 12 or $13 to draft online when I can't even keep the cards. I mean, hell, I don't, I, I feel it'd be pretty fair if it was a $5 draft because the cards, first of all, you can't trade the cards in magic arena. You can't give them away. You can't destroy them. You can't do anything with them. Once you have them, they're yours and there's nothing else you can do with them. So why not just make drafting pretty cheap? on magic arena, you're, you're not going to hurt anything. You're not going to hurt the economy because there is no economy essentially. I mean, you're not, since you can't trade, you can't buy cards. You're, you're not going to hurt anything. So I'm hoping that will happen, but we'll just have to wait and see. So I guess that 
goes to my audience right now that are listening live and or are listening at home or in their car, what do you hope to see in Magic Arena? Are you part of the beta right now? And I know we can't really comment a lot on it or even really discuss too much about it, but what what are you hoping for some of the what are some of your hopes or things you'd like to see in Magic Arena? You know, definitely let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at MagicWizubi or email me mtgzubi at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. So I'd like to end the night with um, talking about my previous Dungeons and Dragons session that I had last weekend. And unfortunately, we, I mean, I guess it's not really unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to continue on the new section of our campaign. So we did a one shot and the one shot just consisted of two players, uh, George and Kevin and Kevin plays a dragonborn paladin who was raised by wolves, um, and is looking for his mommy. And George plays a chaotic evil half orc fighter who likes sweet rolls. So, I did a one shot with them and basically they had a mission to go to this swamp area to this swamp town basically and find this ginormous treasure. But at the same time, the treasure was under the control of this black dragon and this black dragon was spreading the swamp farther and farther out from her mountain and they needed to try and stop the dragon. But along the way, uh, at, they wake up one night or wake up one morning and George has a dragon scale on his leg and you know and basically the dragon scale s- starts to consume him and he needs to find a cure for it uh, so I did this cool little thing that I really liked with it so I gave it so the scale started off really small but we got into a few battles and every time George killed something I had the dragon scale give him plus two to a strength modifier. And there was one battle where he killed three things and he got plus six to his strength modifier. And he's, he's level five already. So he, he, before the plus six, he already had a plus four. So he had a plus 10 for a strength modifier. And, and so he was basically just able to hit and kill everything. And so the downside to it was at the end of each battle, the scale would get bigger and it eventually got bigger to where he it was like it was going to start to cover his body if he couldn't get it off. We unfortunately didn't get to finish the one shot because we ran out of time. We only play for about three, three and a half hours or so, maybe maybe four hours, it, depending on you know how, how we're going in the campaign or what we're doing. So the it ended off with they are they're in this mage tower. And there's a supposed old wizard lady at the top of the tower that can, you know, take the scale off George, but she can't leave or not that she can't. She doesn't want to leave the room because her sister is with her and she doesn't go anywhere without her sister. And her sister is actually her reflection in the mirror. And so Kevin's character has to carry the mirror and so that the wizard will follow them. And as they're going down the stairs, I have Kevin roll a dex check to see, you know, hey, does he make it down to the stairs at the bottom? Okay. He rolls a nat one. (laughs) Of course. We were all, all, 
actually George was probably rolling the best, but Kevin and I, we were rolling so bad. All my enemies just could not hit any of them. Just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with my dice. It's, it's bad when, you know, you try to create a challenging encounter as a DM and none of your enemies can hit your players. Um, that's one thing I do like about magic casters when I don't have to do attack rolls for certain magic spells. It's like, oh, yay. I just have to roll for damage at least, but I don't have to do attack rolls <laughs> because that was, I did really, really bad that day. But anyways, um, so they fall down to the bottom of the stairs and the, the old wizard lady, she starts to freak out and disappears up the tower and call some guards and one of the guards is a mage and the mage was really strong and powerful and almost killed them by the way but um so so I, I i tried to have this cool little thing happen so there was a foyer of um you know two staircases going up and i had the mage go invisible and then walk up the stairs and and then the the mage is pointing you know looking down at the at the other guard and the two players and cast cone of cold and almost kills all of them. He, the, the mage ends up killing his buddy, but almost kills the two players. And so the, the George, George rushes up the stairs and, and so he, he was about to, so yeah, George rushes up the stairs, but doesn't quite make it to the mage. The mage starts casting a spell a con concentrating on a spell uh george goes and pushes the mage off the the balcony because you know there's a railing right behind the mage and the mage was casting fly or float on himself and so he's floating in the air and from what i read on the spell it's a concentrating spell so he has to concentrate on floating and none of them have any weapons that they can throw or anything they so they were kind of stuck trying to fight this. And so I had the mage. Oh shit. I had the mage try to cast, I think either another magic missile or, or, or like a firebolt or something. And it hit George brought him down to one HP. And so I did a, I think I did a dex check to see if the mage lands on the floor correctly. And I rolled like really low and terrible and the mage falls flat on his back. Uh, Kevin's character manages to grapple and hold the mage down while George just runs down the stairs and just basically chops the mage's head off. So that was a fun little encounter. And that's where we had to end it because we didn't get to see, you know, how um, George gets the scale off. And I'm hoping we get to finish up that one shot again. So I'll, I'll definitely let you all know how that goes if we decide to do that one shot or continue that one shot. But I got to say, that is it. That's the end. That's the end of the show here. And I feel there was just one minor technical difficulty with doing it live. And, um, I had a lot of fun doing it, by the way, I, I think I may do this again. And, um, if you want to reach out to me, I am available on Twitter at magic or, at gmail mtgzubi at gmail.com or you can hit me up on facebook facebook.com slash magic uh the show is on itunes google play stitcher and tune in radio uh you can also find it on youtube uh my twitch channel right now twitch.tv slash zubitron 
and also legitmtg.com. Be sure to check them out as well, too. Uh, much love to them. And yeah, that's it. All right, everybody. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for watching and listening and have a great night. Okay.